This service is part of a series on families, and today uh, we're focusing on arguments. What causes the arguments in your house? What do you do when you get annoyed? So today we're going to ask, is it okay to get angry? And how do we resolve such situations? I don't know um, if you can see on the, um, the PowerPoint. I said, I don't know if you can see what's on the PowerPoint. Well, aren't you supposed to be doing the PowerPoint for this service? Why do I always have to do the PowerPoint? How come we never see you do it? Why couldn't I lead the service? Well, it's probably got something to do with talent. <laughs> That's a horrible thing to say. Anyway, you know I'm a better service leader than you are. You aren't. I am. You're not. I am. <laughs> well, he won't do PowerPoint. Oh, typical's now. What do you mean, typical? typical? Well, it's all about the lawnmower. <laughs> I lent him my lawnmower, and he's never given it back. Hang on a sec. What's that got to do with the PowerPoint? It's got everything to do with it. It's all a question of your attitude, Matt. You are so stupid, you are. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> yeah. Stupid and smug. I am neither not smug nor stupid. Yes, you are. In fact, you're both of them together. You're smug pid. I am not. I'm just lovably eccentric. <laughs> Actually, come to think of it, you're stupid. <laughs> Me? What have I done? You're just so stupid. You don't even know how stupid you are. That's how stupid you are. Well, you come up here and tell me how stupid I am and I'll give you a piece of my mind. Ah, stop, 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 stop. I think you can see just how easy it is to argue. We all do it, even if we're supposed to be doing something like leading a service. This little sketch has given us some of the key things that cause arguments. We're going to replay a few bits, but before we do that... I'm going to ask our resident expert to join me on the stage, Dr. Nigel King, <laughs> clinical psychologist. Dr. King, welcome. No Please take a seat. Take a seat. <laughs> right, I'm just going to rewind this a little mm. excerpt, first of all. Rewind. <laughs> okay, and play. How come I never get to lead the service? Why do I always have to do the PowerPoint? How come you can't do it? Well, it's probably got something to do with talent. Pause. Dr King, what's going on here? Thank you for asking. As an expert in conflict resolution, um, there are many sophisticated psychological theories that can be brought to bear on this particular kind of behaviour. Um, I'm really struck by um, Yates and Tarn in 2008, their model. It's very sophisticated. It really grapples with the nature-nurture aspect of this kind of um, situation. Um, unfortunately, it takes a certain degree of emotional literacy for people to understand this particular model, and looking around the congregation, I don't think, um, frankly, they're up for that. Um, <laughs> Jaspers um, in 1963 told us not to engage in pseudo-insight through terminology and I think that's very pertinent in this particular case. Um, so really if we're going to be talking in simplistic terms for the lay person we need to that we have here, um, really I think um, in the trade we would call this a matter of pride. Pride. 
Let's look at the second excerpt. Play. It's all to do with the lawnmower. He borrowed my lawnmower and he's never given it back. Pause. The lawnmower. The lawnmower. It's an absolute classic, isn't it? Mm. Um, day one, term one, year one, a conflict resolution score. They actually call it the lawnmower scenario. Um, <laughs> the model here is Lazarus 1967, mm. quite clearly. Mm. It goes back a long, long way. Um, it's a great neuropsychological um, understanding of what's going on here. And you really have to kind of grapple with neuronal chemistry to really fully grasp this. And um, I wouldn't say intellectual dwarves is, the, um, is, the, is how I would describe people out here. But um, we've got to keep it simple, we I do, think, do, for yes. today. Um, so I think in psychology literature we would probably call this bearing a grudge. Bearing a grudge. Mm. Right, Dr King, we've got the last excerpt for you to see. Mm. Play. I'm not stupid. Yes, you are. You're stupid and smug. You're smugpid. I am not. Pause. <laughs> well, Dr King... Aren't they all being a bit stupid? <laughs> well, this is absolutely fascinating. There are three competing mm. theories mm. for this particular kind mm. of behaviour. I'm drawn to um, Llewellyn and Kennedy, 2005. Mm. I'm drawn to Dean, 1978. And I'm drawn to Evans, 2002. Um, I'd like to engage in a kind of debate about where these models fit into this. Um, but essentially, for the simple folk... I think I would probably term this downright rudeness. Rudeness. Dr King, we've looked at three areas that cause arguments. Pride, bearing a grudge and rudeness. Mm. Dr King, that's been so insightful. Thank you so much for your meeting. Absolute pleasure. Absolute right. pleasure. I think we'll just uh, stop this now. Stop. shows us that even those who shouldn't be arguing end up arguing. Paul wrote to a church in Colossae and this is what he said. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It must have been so frustrating, mustn't it, for him to have to write to followers of Jesus to explain to them how we're to deal with arguments. But in a way, we shouldn't be surprised about that because even Jesus' own disciples, on the night before he died, were arguing about who would be the greatest. And Luke tells us this. He says, Within minutes, they were bickering over who of them would end up the greatest. But Jesus intervened. Authority like to give themselves fancy titles. It's not going to be that way with you. Let the senior among you become like the junior. Let the leader act the part of the servant. Who would you rather be? The one who eats the dinner or the one who serves the dinner? You'd rather eat and be served, right? But I've taken my place among you as one who serves. And you've stuck with me through thick and thin. Now I confer on you 
the royal authority my father conferred on me so you can eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and be strengthened as you take up responsibilities among the congregations of God's people. So we've seen that the disciples argued, even the early church argued, and Paul had to write to them. And I guess we might think that arguments are bound to break out and happen sooner or later, because we're all human, aren't we? And we're going to do things wrong, and we're not always going to get on with everybody all the time. So maybe what we need to do is to look at another way of dealing with arguments. How do we deal with them when they happen? Well, we're going to be looking at that later in the service. So we've seen that we're going to have arguments because we're not perfect. We are only human after all. How do we deal with those arguments? I've got five helpers to help show how. Because when we have arguments and we need to deal with it, we need to involve our whole body in this. We need to involve our whole selves, different parts of the body here. First of all, we need to involve our ears. We need to involve our nose. We need to involve our heart. We need to involve our hands. And we need to actually involve both hands. And we call this ears, nose, heart, right hand and hands. That's quite a long title, so we have a shorter one, which is called the five-point peace process. Slightly shorter. The five-point peace process. And the first part of that, first point of that is the ears. Now let's listen to what we have to say. Hello, I'm Simon. I run a management consultancy in the healthcare industry. Uh, Over the years I've built the business up and I now have over 40 staff. So an increasing amount of my time has become in dealing with sometimes the issues that arise between some of those staff. Uh, A recent example in the last couple of months has been uh, two of my managers having a big difference of opinion over something. Uh, And rather than dealing with it, it was getting worse over time. And they were escalating various nasty emails. So uh, my approach was to get them together to be able to sit down and to listen to each other's point of view. So the first part of the peace process is the ears. Uh, Slow down for a minute and listen to the other's point of view. This is what James says in the Bible. My dear friends, you should be quick to listen and slow to speak or to get angry. If you're angry, you cannot do any of the good things that God wants done. That's a great verse, isn't it? Great verse. Be quick to listen. A lot of the time we think it's be quick to speak, isn't it, and have our say. But the first part, be quick to listen. Quite often, to understand the argument that you're having. There's a phrase that we have at work from time to time, it's probably like Simon's work as well, where uh, people can be in violent agreement. There actually isn't an argument there, but they're so busy talking they don't realise they're saying the same thing slightly differently. So sometimes there might not even be an argument, but when there is... The important thing about the argument that you're having is to listen so that you can understand the argument and understand the other views that are being expressed. So thank you. That was the first part. 
let's look at the next stage of the five-point priest process. Could the nose please stand up? Thank you. My name is Troy, and I'm a teacher, and I work with children all day. And the kids are lovely, but sometimes they have disagreements, and they can get a bit upset with each other. And although they're trying to talk and listen to each other, they're still getting angry and still getting upset and not managing to resolve it. So I need to get involved and give them a hand. And I say to them, just stop and take a deep breath and just think. Think about saying something kind rather than something angry. And that's our next step. It's the nose. To take a deep breath and let kindness replace anger. This is what Proverbs says. A kind answer soothes angry feelings, but harsh words stir them up. So there we go. Step two, the nose. Thank you. Take a deep breath. Everybody, just try taking a deep breath now and try talking at the same time. I could hear the sound of breathing in. It's not easy, is it? Maybe that's a, maybe that's a good idea, a good reason to take a deep breath because it gets, gives you a chance to pause rather than just fire something back and it gives you a chance to stop talking yourself. That will have helped with the listening. Now, one of the things that grown-ups will tell you about when they get emails is it can be very easy, when you've got an email that's upset you slightly, to fire one back straight away, can't it? And the situation can get out of hand. And the breathing in part, when you have an email like that, or this is what I do, is I write that email... I try and write it so that it'll be okay. But before I press the send button, I get Helen to read it for me. Because Helen is probably a lot better than me at being the person who's going to receive that email. What will it sound like to them? How I really use the right sort of language that will actually help be kind, show that I'm trying to be kind rather than stir the anger or anything up even further. So... You could try that yourself. If you don't have Helen, you might have uh, somebody else you could use to just read through that email before you send it. Just think about, how can I be kind here rather than being angry and letting the situation get out, of, get out of hand? So that was the second part of the peace process. Let's have a look at the third. The third part. Could you stand up? What have you got there? The heart. Let's have a look at the heart. Being a mum, the most important thing for us to do is to help our children um, know the difference between right and wrong and also to make sure they say sorry and give forgiveness. So that's step three. Step three is to say sorry from your heart and mean it and also to forgive from your heart. And as uh, Jesus said in John 13, is to love each other as I have loved you. Thank you. For that. that was Lucy, by the way. I think that we, we skipped the start of the video. Sorry about that. But that was the heart of the matter, wasn't it? Saying sorry from the heart and forgiving from the heart as well. If we care about each other, and if we care about the argument, because sometimes we have arguments because we're passionate about something, we'll want to work hard at solving it. And we need to recognise, first of all, don't we, that we're not perfect and that we may be proud 
and that we may bear grudges, and that we may be rude from time to time. So sometimes we know we need to ask for forgiveness or we need to say sorry. And we also need that we know that we need to forgive and to serve other people, just like Jesus said and did. The great thing about forgiveness, now think about this, because forgiveness is a huge topic, isn't it? We could have a whole sermon series on forgiveness, not just point three of the five-point peace process. But forgiveness is creative. So we have a God who is a creative God. Hopefully even Stephen Hawking will realise that one day. He is a creative God. He is a forgiving God as well. He wants to forgive us all the time. And when you forgive somebody, you're being creative because you're allowing a new start to happen, a new start in that relationship. We won't always be able to forget some of the hurt that we might have experienced that requires us to forgive somebody. And just because we forgive somebody doesn't mean that we think what they did is necessarily acceptable or right. And what they did may still need to come to justice, may still require a punishment of some sort. And it can be very hard to forgive people. And it can take time to forgive people because you've got to rebuild trust sometimes. But you can be creative and start to rebuild that relationship. Or start to rebuild your relationship with other people because that situation has damaged your feelings of trust or whatever. And that's the power of forgiveness because it's similar to the power of creation in that we can make something new again. Jesus was with God the Father in creation at the start of time. And he was also with God the Father, or rather God the Father was with Jesus on the cross and in the resurrection story, in the creation that happened there as well. The creation, the recreation of our relationship with God. A chance to be right with God again. So this is the heart of the matter, that you can be creative here when you forgive and when you say sorry. Let's have a look at the fourth part of the peace process. The right hand. My name's John and what I do for my job is I'm a solicitor and for the most part of what I do, um, I'm involved in bringing people together who are in conflict with each other or have a dispute that needs settling and, and so the clients that I act for uh, will need to have some kind of resolution with, uh, with those that they've got a, a current difficulty with. Perhaps uh, someone's been working for a company and they've fallen out with that company uh, or similar situation. And so um, what we will do if we've managed to achieve a settlement of the dispute uh, that they have then we'll encourage um, the client to extend their right hand and to shake hands with the person they're no longer in dispute with. And uh, by doing that, it's a sign that they are no longer in conflict and they've resolved their difficulties. And so that's the fourth point of the peace process, is you extend your right hand and you shake hands with the person that you were in conflict with and say, we're friends again now, we've resolved our difficulties. And so, as Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. So the right hand, shake hands. When you've had an argument, 
And when you've found a way and you've worked together at being creative and resolving that argument, then you shake hands. Shaking hands is a really powerful thing, isn't it? At the start, when you were coming in this morning, maybe you shook hands because somebody welcomed you in, because they wanted to show you a hand of friendship. Political leaders and leaders of countries need to be really careful at times who they shake hands with, because they want to welcome people, but at other times a handshake really means we're in good agreement here. And there are times, aren't there, when countries and leaders aren't actually in agreement and a photo might give the wrong message if they haven't got there yet. So they have to be careful at times. But equally, you know when they do shake hands, that touch, that contact, the importance of that handshake says we're reconciled, we're agreeing again, we trust each other, or we're going to work together to rebuild the trust, we're in this together. And that's probably part of what shaking hands means. Agreement has been reached. And that's an important part of having an argument, isn't it? In resolving an argument, getting to that agreement point and shaking hands on something afterwards. So let's look now at the fifth point of the peace process, which is both hands. Here's a clue. Hands go together like this. That's it. I'm Chris. And I'm Pam. And we've been married for 45 years. We believe in marriage. And in fact, I would say we're passionate about marriage. And we've been facilitating the marriage course here in Long Crendon for the last five years and have run nine courses to date and hope to carry on uh, this work uh, as long as we've both got the energy. And one of the things which uh, we like to think is that the marriage course can make good marriages even better. And I guess that's our motto. We've inevitably learned an awful lot about not our own marriage but marriages in general uh, through this ministry. Conflict is inevitable in marriage and is not something to be seen as a disaster. In fact, it's good for couples to be able to have disagreements, bring them out into the open and to learn how to resolve them. So having resolved conflict, you then put them behind you and you go to bed happy. So the fifth part of the peace process is you put it behind you and you go to bed happy. And um, Paul says in Ephesians, In your anger, do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. So this fifth part, put it behind you and go to bed happy. The great thing about God is when he forgives us, he takes our sins and he moves them as far away from us and as far away from him as the east is from the west, it says in the Bible. In other words, a really, really long way. And he buries them under the deepest sea. God puts it behind him when he's forgiven us. And that's a great thing about God and his power of forgiveness and how he works with us. And it's good, isn't it, not to go to bed angry because then you're not lying in bed awake and not sleeping, stewing over all of those sorts of things in your mind. How much better it is to have resolved something and to be able to sleep, knowing that actually you don't have to worry about that anymore because it's sorted. When Jesus was talking to his disciples when they were being angry at the start, Nigel read this for us at the start, he said to them, well, look, when you have a meal, do you want to be eating the meal or do you want to be serving? You want to be eating, don't you, because you enjoy that. But actually, I've come as somebody who deserves to be eating, because he's the son of the king of kings. 
the Lord of Lords. He is that. But he came to serve in the song that we sang. And he says, I want you to be like that. I want you to find ways of serving. But when you finish that, oh boy, have we got a banquet in heaven where you can really enjoy being together. You can put all of that behind you and enjoy the banquet of being together. And there's something really exciting to look forward to there that Jesus encourages his disciples with. So that's the five points of the peace process. You've been really good, kids. Thank you very much for helping me with that. Can we just stand up one last time, and we'll just have a look at these five points all together again, just to, just to remember it all. The five-point peace process is you listen to the other point of view. Knows. Take a deep breath. Make room for kindness. Heart. Say sorry and forgive. Right hand. Shake hands. Both hands. Go to bed happy. Why don't we all do that now? Okay, got the things in front of you there? Let's just remember these points because this is involving your whole body in it. First of all, what is it? The ears. Then the nose. Then heart. Not the microphone, the heart. Then right hand. Then both hands. Excellent. And if you've got any problems with any steps in that process, the great thing is you can take it to God and you can pray to him and ask him to help you with that step. Because we can remember that God is a really forgiving God who loves us so much. The Bible tells us that over and over again. We'll get things wrong. The good thing is God still loves us. So tell him. He's always ready to listen when we say sorry. And he'll help us sort it out and feel better.